0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. It's good to be back with you, and I'm, I'm thankful for everyone that's joining us tonight. Uh, thank you to everybody who came out on Monday night. We had a very powerful uh, session of uh, very active prayer on Monday night. Great time. Uh, lots of people were here, probably 25 or 30 people, I'm guessing. And uh, we had a wonderful time of prayer, and uh, a very powerful prayer, as I said. And uh, I was just talking to Brother Marty right before the broadcast, and I said, you know, uh, it occurred to me on Monday night, and I've heard this uh, by preachers, so this is not an original thought, uh, but that so much of the time I've spent recently is is preaching and teaching about the Day of Pentecost. And it occurred to me something I heard a while ago, that the Day of Pentecost it uh, was not a song service, it was not a preaching service, it was not a celebration, it wasn't a party, it wasn't a gathering of social times, it was a prayer meeting. And, uh, and so we had a powerful time of Pentecostal prayer meeting on Monday night, and I'm very thankful for that. Of course, we are going to continue that process as we move forward. Our world desperately needs prayer, our church needs prayer, our church families need prayer. And uh, it's all going to be about prayer. It all starts with prayer and it ends with prayer. And uh, and so uh, again, preaching on Sunday, uh, the accepting of the power of prayer. Uh, is so critically important, but tonight I want to change topics just a little bit, just uh, along the same thread. Uh, uh, but I want to talk about some of the things as I've encountered. I've counseled with a couple of folks. Uh, I've had questions brought my way. Of course, we're all still wrapped up in this idea of what's going on in the world around us. What does it mean? It's it's causing us unrest. Uh, in some cases, it's making us angry to see what's happening out there. We have this natural tendency uh, to. To want to see justice done. Uh, things that we see through our television screens and our phone screens and in the papers and so on, they don't seem just. It doesn't seem right. And we get frustrated within ourselves. Uh, and a lot of what we've seen over the last few, uh, few weeks or so has felt unjust. It's felt wrong. We, we feel an encroaching on our freedoms. We feel an encroaching on our rights. Uh, and, and these things can begin to get us to feel trapped and sort of abound by those things and so my point on Sunday the accepting of the power of prayer was again it was my way I want to reach out to my church and I want to free people from that I want to free us from what the culture is trying to put on us and how it wants to bind us Uh, the enemy wants these things coming through our forms of media to bind us up to get us aggravated to create frustration to take away our peace to take away our joy and and to cause unrest in the church. And, and what I'm here to say and what I've been saying for the last couple of services that it's the church that has to lead the way. It's our job to look above the fray to see beyond what's happening and look at the things that can be. What does God want in this situation? What's he expecting of his church in this situation? And what good can come out of uh, this disaster? I said on Sunday again and again where sin does abound, grace does that much more abound Uh, that means that no matter what sin can do what the enemy can do uh, in our midst God can do that much greater uh, in the other direction how's he going to do that he's going to do that through us but he can't do it through us if we're paralyzed, if we're uh, distracted, if, if we're focused on this, if we're dealing with all of this angst and, and, and uh, aggravation over the fact that things are unjust. I know many of you, I've had, I had people contact me today uh, talking about, they're tearing down monuments. They're tearing down the history of this nation. Uh, 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 statues are coming down, uh, things that commemorate history. And people will say, well, maybe what they did in history is wrong, uh, and, and, it, and it was a time that things weren't done the right way, but it's still history. We learn from history. But then there's another group that says, well, those things represent a time that was offensive to a certain people. It was, it was hurtful to people. Why do we build monuments to it? And so, so we get into this argument and this, this case of logic and all of these different things, and, what, and I sat back and I thought, what will these things matter when the, when the earth is melting under a fervent heat of God's judgment? I know that sounds extreme, but, but I'm thinking in the extreme terms that, that if you really take this thing out beyond all of this mess, there's an eventuality that we have to be aware of that all of us are going to realize in one way or another. And so those, eventually all of those statues and all of those monuments and all of those man-made structures are literally going to melt and burn in fervent heat of God's judgment at some point. So what do we do in the meantime? Why is that important? Well, tonight I want to talk to you, I'm titling my message, I'm just going to teach a little bit tonight. Uh, It's just going to be a little bit of a Bible study and I won't keep you too long, Um, I, I say that too often, but... Uh, I just want this little bit to sink in, perhaps inspire some, some research, inspire some study. Uh, but I want to talk to you tonight about our justice or his. Our justice or his. I'm going to open this evening with you in the book of Psalms, chapter 73, one of my favorite psalms. This is a psalm of Asaph. Uh, Asaph, this is not David Asaph was a man in David's court Said to perhaps work with the choirs of David's court And the musicians of David's court A poet, possibly a prophet But Asaph wrote this psalm Psalm chapter 73 We're going to start at verse 1 It says, a psalm of Asaph He says, truly, God is good to Israel Even to such as are of a clean heart Now look at verse 2, but as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. Why? For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It's a very critical terminology that Asaph is using here. Clearly, there is some form of a conflict going on in his heart and in his mind. He speaks of a clean heart. He knows it's his responsibility to have a clean heart towards God. But he admits to himself, he's confessing to us that my feet were almost gone. Uh, My steps had well nigh slipped. I, I almost fell into something. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Right now, we're looking across our nation, and we're seeing... Uh, the prosperity. Now, the prosperity of the wicked there is, I think, manifold. It, yes, it absolutely has to do with monetary wealth and, and abundance, and we'll see that as we go forward in the scripture. But, but it, it also means uh, the freedoms and, 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 and abilities. There's no, there's no recompense for actions, there's just complete prosperity. Everything they're doing, uh, they're getting away with, so to speak, if you want to say it that way. And so we're looking across our nation right now and we're seeing things that look like wicked people. Now, I'm talking. Talking about, and, 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 and please understand, I'm talking about the people that are creating wanton destruction. The people that the president of our nation has identified as domestic terrorists. I'm talking about people that are killing other people. That is happening in our nation right now. I'm talking about the people who are destroying and burning and looting and hurting other people, okay? Uh, specifically, uh, that group, those criminals, that they, they appear right now to be prosperous. I'm told that a group of people have, have captured a six-square-block area uh, of Seattle on Capitol Hill, and they have declared it uh, a, a separate and, and away from the United States of America. Literally, they're own nation sounds to me like people have been watching too many movies but these people appear to be prosperous and, and 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 it's 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 bringing an anger up in us it's bringing a frustration you could say pastor it's a righteous anger it's wrong we have to defend our nation i understand but it's where your heart goes it's it's what's within your heart and the effect that this can have let's look at verse four and continue to go on in this psalm it says for there are no bands in their death But their strength is firm. This is describing this wicked, this prosperous wicked we heard about. He says they are not in trouble as other men. These lawless people just don't seem to be getting in trouble for what they're doing. The law is allowing this to go forward. We know that mayors and governors of these cities have just basically held law enforcement back and said, just let them go. This happened a few years ago in Baltimore, destroyed the city of Baltimore nearly it says, "Neither are they plagued like other men, therefore pride compasseth them about as chain, or in this case, it would be gaudy jewelry, like their proudful of jewelry and gold hanging around their necks. Violence covereth them as a garment. They're getting away with it. They're 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 being self-righteous. They're justifying and rationalizing uh, uh, poor behavior and criminal behavior. Uh, violence is covering them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. That means they just got everything they want so much that they're just bulging with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and they speak wickedly concerning oppression. Oh my goodness. This is speaking to today. I mean, this is written for today. It goes on to say, they speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And oh my, have we heard enough of that recently. And their tongue walketh through the earth. That simply means that the whole world is hearing their raging. Somehow, they're getting the message. They're so boisterous. It's such a visible thing. Of course, we know today that's being accomplished through mass media. It's being accomplished through social media, continuing to light and fan the fires around the world that we live in. Verse 10 goes on to say that, Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. That means they just keep taking and taking and taking. And they say, how doth God know? This is the they they're talking about Is this prosperous wicked. And they say, how doth God know? And is their knowledge in the most high? They're mocking God. They're saying, God doesn't see what we're doing. There is no God. Most of them uh, attack us. We've been attacked as, as being without science and without understanding and complicit in these things. I'm talking about we as God's people. Verse 12, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. So Asaph is saying it just feels like all the things I've done to clean my heart have have just been for nothing because everybody's just getting away with what they want to do. And and he's he's challenging himself. I've washed my hands in Hennessy. I don't even do these things. And I'm I'm, I'm seeking God's forgiveness. and And I'm cleansing my heart in vain. But he goes on in 14. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. In other words, our conscience, our, our relationship with God, uh, when we're doing wrong, when our heart is not right, it plagues us. We have, a, we have a conscience for these things. And I'm chastened every morning. In other words, I feel uh, the need. I feel what, where I need to correct myself and always be honorable to God, cleansing my heart, living a life of repentance, as Paul taught us. Verse 15, he says, "'If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children.'" When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. It was hard for me to look at my offenses. It was hard to look at me, for me to look at myself and say, I'm, I'm doing some things wrong, I'm saying some things wrong. Verse 17, until, now this is very key. Verse 17, this is so key. This is the turning point for Asaph as he's confessing these feelings and these observations that he's made about the prosperous wicked. In verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, Forsake not assembling yourselves, for such is the custom. We've got to be in the sanctuary of God. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. See, suddenly Asaph is realizing, despite what it may look like, that all of this harm, all of this destruction, all this prosperous living, this overabundance, this wicked behavior... He went into the sanctuary of God. He communed with God. He revived his relationship with God. And I believe in this place, God revealed to him. God began to show him again. It may look good right now. As the word says, sin is is good for a season. It's pleasurable for a season. But it always repays. And he saw their end. Meaning what happens down the road. We don't see the justice now. We want justice now. I know that some people have said they ought to send the military in there and start gunning people down. Some people drive fire engines in there, blast everybody with water, knock them down, slap them in irons, and, and haul them off to prison, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just I, I can feel the aggravation within people, the sense and desire to see justice. But I want to tell you, folks, as long as these people are alive, they have an opportunity for redemption. That's how God looks at this. After Asaph spends time with the Lord in his sanctuary, he's reminded who's really in charge, and so should we be. Verse 18 goes on, where he starts to to fulfill this revelation, or to speak of this revelation. He says, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Now, Asaph is talking to God in the sanctuary. Thou didst set them in slippery places. Now, mind you, just a few verses ago, he was saying, My foot well slipped. I almost slipped. But now his revelation is their feet are on slippery places. In other words, they're in a bad spot. He goes on and says, Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. Now he's confessing. He's confessing the conviction in his heart. He judged those wicked people. He, he judged them, was angry. He, he was so frustrated with the injustice. Now he's confessing, so foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee he's speaking to God Nevertheless I am continually with me thee thou hast holden me by my right hand thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory He's acknowledging the promise that God has given us for that clean heart, for not letting our feet slip, not being dragged into the mire, not falling into uh, the the trap the enemy has set for us to become angry and hateful and want to see people hurt and and, and repaid. That's not how this works. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Verse 25 goes on to say, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. He's speaking to God again. Now verse 26, listen to what he says. My flesh and my heart faileth. It's going to. We're going to have these feelings, and it's natural for us to to have this angst. The flesh is going to react that way. But remember what I always teach. I always teach the litmus test. When you react to something, something happens to you. Something around you is impacting you. It's moving through your mind, the the workplace of the enemy. The first litmus test is, what did my flesh want? What was the first thing that I I felt to react to? Uh, The flesh always runs to the front of the line uh, to respond to a situation. But we've got to hold, we've got to understand that our flesh and our heart fails. It it says and it thinks and it feels the wrong things so many times when we're in the flesh. But God is the strength of my heart, he says, and my portion forever. We can't let that first reaction, we can't let what we see before these eyes in this moment, in this constant, drive and define who we are as Christians. It's not what we're called to be. It's not what we're meant to be. We're meant to be what Asaph is describing in God's heart, leaning to him for his strength, his portion forever. Verse 27, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. And then finally, the last verse of Psalm 73, so powerful, so impactful. It says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all thy works. Do you believe that God would have fire rain down on all of these people and destroy them instantly? Uh, for their behavior, for their uh, destruction, for the killing. Uh, There's judgment waiting for them. Without a life with Christ, without a relationship with God, this is their end. And we have always have to keep that in perspective. We've got to be ministers of God, ministers of peace, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, faithfulness. Against such there is no law. We've got to maintain that our job is to be ministers of peace for people. Fighting culture, fighting flesh response, uh, the need for justice, all of that stuff. We've got to stay in the word. We've got to go to the word. We've got to live in the word of God. We have to act out the word of God every single day without change. Look at Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, I call it the you have heard but I say chapter throughout the entire chapter, I'm only going to read a portion to you, but again and again and again throughout Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you've heard it this way, but I say, you've heard it this way, but I say. He took some of those commandments, he took some of those principles of the old law and he added something more. He didn't destroy the law, he didn't take it away, but he established the law and he took it a step further. We're entitled to follow that and the more. He says, starting in Matthew chapter five, look at verse 33. He says, again, ye have heard there he is ye have heard that it has been said by them of old time thou shalt not forswear thyself but it shall perform unto the Lord thine oaths and then he says 34 but I say unto you swear not at all Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is God's footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Verse 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, or nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. We have to be certain and solid in our word. We have to be convicted in the word. It has to be this and that. We have to be that solid in the word of God. Let it be yea and let it be nay. Verse 38, now this is powerful. Ye have heard, again, ye have heard that it hath been said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? Revenge, 39, but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but don't get, so in other words, don't don't get in the mud. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn him the other also. You've heard that before, turn the other cheek. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have the cloak also. Go the extra mile, and whosoever should compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Or twain, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow to thee, turn not thou away. These are powerful statements, directions. He's telling us, be greater, go the further mile, do more, be a greater example. Verse 43 Ye have heard, again he says it, that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, if you have applied Christ to your life, if you follow his word, you can't take that portion out of the Bible and say, that's not for me. It says, love your enemies, bless them that curse you and do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Now, unfortunately, there's a whole lot of people out there that are meaning to do good. They, they, there was an injustice. There was a terrible thing that happened. Uh, they want change. They, the, the, the group, uh, rightfully so, wants to bring unity, wants to bring greater things. But unfortunately, it has led to other people infusing that movement and infusing that activity and doing terrible, destructive things. They are not loving their enemies. They're hating their enemies. They're cursing people. They're doing uh, hateful things to people that hate them, etc etc. Verse 45, that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh his son to rise, now listen, on the evil and on the good. It's not for you to judge them. The sun rises on them as well as it does the the, the good and the evil. Uh, He and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. That looks bad to us. It's like Asaph. We, we see the prosperity of the wicked. They're getting some sunshine. They're getting some rain. They're getting food. They're getting attention. They're getting love and adoration by people who are just seem to be okay with the law breaking and the destruction and the death of, uh, I, I guess, two or three dozen innocent citizens now. Uh, and, and that just frustrates us like, like Asaph. We, our foot slips. We're, we're, we're just ready to fall into an angry place where we want to go out and rage and take revenge. But 46 says, for if you love them which love you, what reward have you? It's not hard to love people that love you. That's easy. That's whoop-de-doo. It says, do not even the publicans do the same? The publicans were the worst scumbag dudes in the world at that time. Publicans love each other, love one another. Verse 47, and if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do this also? Verse 48, be ye therefore perfect even as your father, which heaven is it perfect? In other words, do the things that are hard. Control, restraint, leaning on God, remembering the end for those that are doing wrong if they are not corrected, if they don't find a way to hear a gospel of peace, if they don't get a message that tells them there's something greater than all of this destruction and hate and anger that they've been led into from this world a whole young generation that's raised up in, a, in, in in public school systems that have completely removed God from the picture uh, and so along with God out goes uh, uh, moralities of, of importance uh, the Ten Commandments and other rules and things that are brought things that we taught in this nation that were so critically important to instill but it was, it was divisive it was something that just had to be taken out the separation of, of church and state that lie that's been told again and again that does not exist in our founding documents but now we have a nation that is amoral, a nation that has taken God out of the picture. We're angry about that. We're frustrated. This is our country. This is our nation. God blessed us with this country, and we want to lash out. We want to be a part of this fight, a part of this anger, and I'm saying we can't. We've got to be the ministers. We've got to be the ones that go out on the prayer walks. We've got to be the ones that show up and pray. Do you know, i want to give you some good news, do you know that there are people that have been part of these prayer walks in these cities standing around a burned roof? Ruins of buildings and pastors and ministers from our organization and others have stood with people. There are people that are being saved right now amongst the ruins of destruction. And I'm talking people of all diversity, people of all cultures and backgrounds are coming to these movements of prayer. God is moving in these situations and people are being saved right on the spot. You've heard the stories. Brother Art Wilson, the pastor to the United Nations, baptizing people from around the world God is working through an open door given to Brother Wilson. Uh, There are fantastic things happen. There hasn't been one youth congress that I have gone to where there has not been many, I'm saying many people, workers at the facilities where we're having these conferences that are receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name amongst these thousands of young people that are worshiping and praising. They're going back to their hotels. They're talking to the people in the hotels. The hotel people are Receiving God, going into the pools of the hotels and being baptized in Jesus' name. Grace is abounding that much more. Turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8, starting at verse 10. The wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, writes these words. It's always speaking to today. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 10 says this. It says, Then too I saw the wicked buried. Those who used to come and go from this holy place and receive praise in the city where they did this, this too is meaningless. Look at verse 11. When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts, I'm reading from the NIV, I apologize for not announcing that, when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. You know what that means? What it means is is that when we're not taking action, when there isn't swift response to poor behavior, when there isn't swift sentence for crimes, I'm not talking about killing people. I don't want to see the whole world go into prison. I'm talking about not responding to crimes that are happening when there's no punishment, when there's nothing that happens, when the government stands by, when the police officers are held in restraint and told not to do anything because there's this bad thing that happened in this one particular situation or even multiple situations in smaller numbers in the greater police force but something bad happened and so let them go crimes are committed it emboldens people to continue to commit these crimes we're living in a society right now where the sentence is not coming and people's hearts are being filled with schemes to do wrong they're doing greater destruction now now they're pulling down monuments and they're defacing monuments that have been there for a for, for hundred years to, noting important things. I saw the other day that a, a monument to a Civil War regiment was defaced and destroyed. Then they showed a picture of the regiment that it was honoring, and it was a black regiment of soldiers, black soldiers who had committed their lives to help defend the Union of the United States, and they destroyed this monument. Foolishness, sadness, destruction for no reason. They're becoming bolder. Now they've taken a six-block part of a city and declared it their own private nation, I read in the news today that they uh, invited a lot of homeless people to come in because, of course, there's got to be virtue with what's going on there. There's got to be an assuagence of the conscience, whether they've got one or not. Uh, They've got to show that they're good. There's a social justice aspect to this. They invited the homeless into their camp. The homeless took all of their food and left, and they're crying out for assistance now that people deliver food to them. Verse 12 goes on to say, although a wicked person who commits a hundred crimes may live a long time, listen to what Solomon says, I know that it will go better with those who fear God, who are reverent before him, yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. You see, we don't have to worry about this aspect. It's not our job. You know, Jesus hasn't judged anybody yet. He didn't come to judge. He hasn't died to judge. He has not judged as of yet. He will be the judge. There will be that time. But right now, now is the time of grace. Now is the time when the church should be rising up, reaching out to every soul. Come on now, I said every soul. All the scripture said earlier, reach out to them with the message of grace. Somebody's gonna turn around. Somebody's going to hear the word of God and be changed. They deserve that opportunity. It's the job of the church to present that opportunity erase hate from your mind, erase the aggravation from your mind, take fear and anger out of what you're doing look upon the United States with pity yes, feel that urge, I understand your flesh is going to react, but understand that this life is a vapor we've got a short amount of time his return is very close very soon, and if we're hauled and we're stood here, standing and all we've done is just pointed at the wrongdoing of the wicked we've we've stared and envied at the prosperity of the wicked, we have not done our jobs James chapter 3 starting at verse 13 says it this way it says who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom this is our instruction coming now so listen tight verse 14 but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts glory not and lie not against the truth. What is the truth? The truth is that it is not our business to behave that way. Verse 15, This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Verse 17, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. What a powerful instruction. This is Jesus' half-brother preaching a powerful message about our behavior Warning us about the acts and the works of the flesh, the envying and the strife. I want to say something to you too tonight. This applies to how you interact with one another in the church as well. How you interact with your brothers and your sisters. How you interact with your pastor. How you interact with other people, your family members. It's not just about what's happening in our world. This means now, here, all time, every day. This wisdom is from above. Be pure, be peaceable, be gentle, easy to be entreated. That means easy to talk to, to to have a good conversation with. If we got a problem, if we've got a challenge, can we talk to one another about it? Can, can, Can we just say, hey, I have a struggle, here's something I'm worried about. Uh, or, or do we go back, and we talk to somebody else and we, and, and we, or we get all pent up inside ourselves and then treat people poorly and, and, and don 't show mercy and don 't show those good fr- uh, fruits without partiality without hip- hypocrisy you know if you have a problem with a brother or anybody and and you feel that they 're violating scriptural principle they 're doing something wrong they 've failed you in some way, and you violate scripture, scriptural principle in your response to that behavior. That's hypocrisy. That's wrong. You can't come to a person and say, oh, I've treated you this way because you did something wrong and justify your own behavior. It doesn't work like that. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the earth. See, we've got to be agents of peace in this world. That's it. That's the top job agents of peace. What is peace? What's the message of peace? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's your testimony of what God did for you. Do you know that whether you were a liar or a person who tears down monuments and burns buildings, if you're in sin, God sees that as sin. You know better than the other person, your sin isn't less likely to cause a problem for you than that person's sin. We have to put these things into perspective. The only reason I'm bringing this tonight, the reason I'm sharing it with my church, you could share it with others, is I just feel the pull. I feel the pull of the world on some people to want to drag in to this stuff, to be pulled into the mire, uh, to, be, to let our flesh fall into this trap. And I just want to gird you up. I want to build up my church body. I'm working on myself for the same reasons. I'd lie to you if I didn't say. I looked at some of these things and felt so aggravated. It seems so wrong and so unjust. My heart aches when I see uh, our country being torn apart. But then the minister in me has to come out and say, Dear God, how can we reach these folks? How can we get to these people? How can we get the word of God to them? Listen to this ominous warning from the Apostle Paul. Sometimes we forget just how timely and poignant the word of God is for this very day. Paul teaches us our responsibility towards government in Romans chapter 13. Turn to Romans 13, uh, starting at verse 1. Our responsibility towards government. It says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers there is no power but of God. In other words, the higher powers, the rule of law, the law of the land, uh, but that's ordained by God. The powers that be are ordained of God, it says in that verse. Verse two, whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Whether you, or not you like the president, whether or not you like the people in Congress, whether you not you like the people in the Senate, whether or not you like the police, uh, they are there. This order, this structure is ordained by God. Why? Because it's authority. It's recognized as authority in our land therefore by God's way it is ordained God is a God of order and structure is he not a God of rule of law and it goes on to say and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation that's powerful verbiage there that's a powerful word those that resist the their anti-government their destruction all of that stuff if they don't change if somebody doesn't reach them they receive to themselves damnation Now, what does that mean? They instantly burst into flames and they go to hell? No, they get tagged with their lives, with what they've done in their lives, the the history of what they've done. There's a damnation put on them. When they die, they're doomed if they don't turn and receive God. Verse three, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Come on now, this is speaking right to today. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God. It's talking about government, the rulers. Uh, It goes on to say, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. Now, those are very strong and powerful words, and there's a lot of symbolism there, but there's a lot of literacy there as well. It simply says these leaders are put in place, do things that are good, don't break the law, don't do evil. You say, well, pastor, some of these people that are being hurt didn't do a thing. They they, they were horribly and unjustly behaved. Yes, that is true. So guess what? The one who did evil is the one who killed that innocent blood. I'm talking about everybody, all parties, all flesh involved that are doing that evil. I'm not taking anything away from an innocent life that was snuffed out unjustly. That's horrible. That is is wrong. That's innocent blood in God's eyes. God has very strong words for those who kill innocent blood. Verse 5 goes on to say, Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For This cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers. You don't like it, don't like what's in place, it doesn't matter. They are the authority. They have been elected in. We have set them up as authority. They are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Verse 7, render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, that means respect, and honor to whom honor. That's straightforward words. That's the expectation of the word of God, how people, how we as citizens, we as human beings are to address government. It's a message that needs to be heard. Yes, the wrongdoers need to be punished. Yes, uh, crime is wrong. Killing is wrong. Those things need to be dealt with swiftly and with justice. But we have an obligation to be a representative, a model for what God expects. But here's our obligation to others, especially those that don't yet know the Lord. As we go on in Romans 13, go to verse 8. It says, "Oh, no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. Okay, now I don't know about adultery, but we've certainly seen killing. It's horrible. People have died at the hands of some of these uh, mobs, the, the, the domestic terrorist people that the president has identified. They have died for this. Uh, Thou shalt not steal. Remember the Ten Commandments? There's a lot of commandments being broken right now. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Hello, news media, uh, uh, mainstream media, social media, don't bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. In other words, wanting and desiring to take what doesn't belong to you. And if there be any any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying. Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time that now is, it is high time to awake out of sleep. Now, All of this context, context, talking about the law and government and and, and the the commandments and all of these things. Listen to how Paul ties it directly to this point. It's incredible. Now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Have you heard the term "woke" yet? People are woke. This is a woke group. Woke this. I'm hearing people say hashtag woke church. Uh, I have only heard it a couple times, but I think it's a good tag because apparently everybody else is getting woke. And right now, Paul is saying in the 11th verse, it's time to be a woke church. we got to wake up, stop being comfortable in everything that we're doing, hiding away. That's not happening in my town. I don't have to worry about it. I'm doing good. Uh, We've got to wake out of sleep. Why? For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, let us put on the armor of light, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in, what, rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. This is a message we can carry to the world. It's in the word of God. The word of peace has the answer. It has the direction. It's convicting. It's a double-edged sword that has the ability to pierce and divide asunder of soul and spirit and flesh and blood and body. This is the thing that if we can deliver it, if we can carry it into the world, if we can share it with people, stay in the word, be the word, live the word, and just direct the word in every way that you can. That's our job. That's the mission at hand. You can forget about the United States of America to a degree in terms of your worries and concerns. The future is not pretty. We know that. The Word of God says so. But don't hang so tightly to that star-spangled banner that you forget about the banner that's made of white and blue and has a cross in the field. You've got to remember that our job is singular to seek and to save that which is lost. That's my encouragement to you this evening. I want to help you shake off all of that stuff, all of the junk that that the world puts on top of your heart—the fears and the trembling and the and the concerns. I understand. I've, like I said, I'm there. I'm a human being. I live in the flesh. I have property. I have family. I have children. I. I, I These things are important to me as well. I would love for the United States to be, you know, Warden June Cleaver for all eternity. It's not that way. The enemy has had his way. Bad things are happening. It's unfortunate. Is there a time of revival coming for the church? Yes, that's what we've got to look forward to. Grace is abounding that much more. We're going to have joy in the place. We're going to have revival in the place. This thing is going to, we're going to blow the cap off of this deal because they're going to, people are going to be hunger. They're hungering for righteousness and goodness. Trust me, if we become agents of the word of God, agents of peace with a message. I watched video where people are kneeling down in the streets. I'm not talking about subjecting themselves to some organization. I'm talking about they're kneeling at the word of prayer, the word of God being preached by men that are, and women that are taking the word, singing songs, praising God in these massive movements in the streets. And people are being saved in the streets right now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for hearing me this, this evening I pray peace upon the church. I'm looking forward to being with you on Sunday. Uh, I, I, I do very much want to be a great leader in this word. I want to uplift my church and embody and embolden and empower you with the word of God. And I thank you very much. God bless everybody. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast.